Good morning. Welcome to Lifeline Eddie. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today I've got a special guest. He is a Vietnam War veteran, Purple Heart Bronze Star recipient, double NCAA national champion with Notre Dame football, and four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Running back Rocky Blyer. Also, his full name is Robert Patrick. Rocky Blyer. And the first question we're going to ask Rocky when you come on. Uh, thanks for coming on. How did you get your name, Rocky? Well, John, how are you doing? Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. It took a while, but I finally got you. Yeah, oh, I'm glad to be able to spend this uh, morning with you. Thank you. Uh, let me see. The name, uh, I got the nickname when I was born, actually, or, or shortly thereafter, I should say. Um, I grew up in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. I grew up in a, in a bar, and the patrons would uh, come in and they'd say to my dad, Hey, Bob, how's that new kid of yours? And, of course, being a very proud father as we all are and being the firstborn. He said, oh, guys, you should see him. He's got all these little muscles. He looks like a little rock sitting in that crib. And so they would come in then thereafter and say, hey, Bob, how's that little rock of yours? And da-da, that's how I got it. There it came. Again, Rocky, thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate it. We're going to kind of go in depth, do a little bit of what I would call like a verbal autobiography on you today. And and I want to start off with you. You went to Notre Dame. You were a two-star athlete, basketball and football, uh, in Appleton, Wisconsin, in high school. What made you choose Notre Dame? I, I assume you had many other um, opportunities. Why Notre Dame? Well, I think that, I, you know. I think there was a there was a couple there was a couple things that had, had taken place. Uh, and and I should say that I I was not necessarily a big Notre Dame fan. Um, uh, I wasn't a fan of really anybody at the time. You know, you just lived and you played your own sports, and, um, and you know, life was going along. And then all of a sudden I had the opportunity to continue my education. And so I got some offers. And I had a, um, a, a recruit from, um, uh, or a recruiter, I should say, from Notre Dame, who, who I liked, uh, and it was a, um, uh, and it was a, uh, and, it was a, and he was a good guy, and we would sit and, and talk, and probably the best piece of advice that he gave me, or at least that it made sense to me, was he said, hey, listen, you're going to get a lot of scholarship offers. You're going to get from schools all around. And he said, and every time they roll out the red carpet, it's going to be harder and harder for you to make the decision when, when you have to. You know, why don't you just choose three schools that, that you want to go to, that you would be proud to graduate from, and uh, that you would be interested in. And for me, that made a whole lot of sense. I didn't necessarily want to take a trip to Minnesota or to Michigan or Michigan State or any of the Big Ten schools. I felt an obligation to go to Wisconsin. We had a family friend that um, said, hey, I can get you an interview at Boston College. And I thought, oh, okay, fine, being the good Catholic boy that I am, and of course <laughs> Notre Dame. And so I went to Notre Dame first, and uh, you know, like the campus. I, I mean, like the campus. Uh, Era Parsegian was the new coach at that time, um, and it was all male, which was fine. I went to Christian Brothers High School, so that that was no problem. I went to Wisconsin then thereafter, and oh, and that was. It just it just didn't feel right. It was big, you know. But they, then I went out to Boston College, go and 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 fell in love with Boston. Oh, not necessarily Boston College, but Boston. Boston itself. And and you know and they say, hey, this is where it's all about the history that had taken place here in Boston. Bo. And then I came back, and then I did 
what every good Catholic boy was taught to do, and that was to go to church and pray for guidance, and which I did, and then I decided to do what my mother wanted me to do, and that was to go to Notre Dame. And, that's why, and I went to Notre Dame, and obviously it was a, you know, it was a choice. Uh, it was a, I mean, it was, for me, it turned out to be a, a wonderful choice, uh, a wonderful program, school. To, Rocky, Rocky, I don't mean to cut you off yeah. real quick. We're going to take a break and call you back. We've got a really weird buzzing sound on the line. Yeah, I hear and, that. Yeah, it's kind of ruined it because it's taking too long to get you, and I really want to do this interview right. You give us like two minutes. We're going to roll out into this break. We'll be back in a few. Okay. What is the first thing that pops into your mind when you think of Gettysburg? Is it our rich Civil War history, battlefields, and museums? Or is it the beautiful vineyards, wine tours, and our wonderful restaurants? How about our cozy bed and breakfast? Or the beautiful hotels? With everything Gettysburg has to offer, the first thing you think of might be what a great, affordable destination we are. Come visit us and find out for yourself. Log on to Gettysburg.travel and discover your Gettysburg. Wish there was a local hardware store that provided friendly, personal service, helping you find exactly what you need. Get you in and out of the store quickly with prices that meet or beat the big box stores. Well, look no further than Ace Hardware of Westchester. It'll soon be time to take the student and your family back to school. And did you know Ace Hardware is an official U-Haul truck rental location? They have vans, trucks, and tow dollies in a variety of sizes. And don't forget the August Hot Buys professional grade decorative duct tape, which is very popular with the teenage girls in a variety of patterns. 50% off at only $3 a roll. 18-gallon clear tote storage bins, two for $12, or 72-quart size, two for $14. And a 5-in-1 inflatable chair bed with air pump, special purchase price $39.99. That's a 50% savings. Ace Hardware of Westchester is located on Strasburg Road, just past the Daily Local News, and they're open seven days a week for your convenience. Have a question? Call them, 610-344-4811. Ace and Ace Hardware of Westchester is the a helpful place. My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38 and I work at a graphic design company. And the teenage me would tell you I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for Big Brother's Big Sisters. My big sister showed me early on that I could do anything. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My big sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brother's Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brother's Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Hey, I'm Val Schmikowski from Dancing with the Stars, and you're listening to WCHE 1520 AM, the talk of Chester County. Welcome back to Life on Ed. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today, my guest is Rocky Blyer, Pittsburgh Steeler, great running back. Rocky, thanks for uh, letting us call you back and fixing that technical difficulty there. Yeah, no problem. Sounds better now? Yeah, it sounds a lot better. Sounds a lot better. Your story's too good to tell with having an interference there. Well, getting back, so you picked Notre Dame, obviously a good Catholic boy. I was raised Catholic. I did the whole altar boy thing, so I'm there with you. I understand it. You understand that, sure. Believe me, I understand it. I get it. You end up winning a national championship with Notre Dame in 1966. Uh, Then in the 67, your name team captain. You graduate. And you're drafted by Pittsburgh, but uh-huh. you're also drafted by the U.S. Army for, uh, to be brought in. But you volu- – now, am I correct on this? You volunteered to go 
to Vietnam. Well, no, I, you know, it, it makes a nice story after all these okay. years. But no, I can't say that I volunteered, you know, to 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 go to Vietnam. I okay. got drafted like everybody else did during that period of time, and um, uh, and went through my 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 basic. I got order went through basic training and advanced infantry training, and then got my orders cut like thousands of other young guys to to uh, go to Vietnam. So I can't say that I, you know, raised my hand and said, yeah, I want to go to Vietnam. It was um, it was just the course of action at that time. Now, were you already, you were already drafted by Pittsburgh? Had you begun? Uh, yeah, we played, I, play, I played uh, the majority of that season. I played, uh, we played 14 games. I played 11 of those 14 games. I missed the last three games because I, I did get uh, drafted. Um, into into the armed services at, at at that time. So I came back. You know, I mean, I came to Pittsburgh. I was a 16th round draft choice. As I tell people, I was the 417th person picked in the draft. They don't even they don't go that far anymore. They, they don't go that far anymore. But but you know, but made a team and made special teams. Primarily playing special teams, and um, and you know, and so the question, you know, there was a question out there that you know that I might you know get drafted, um, uh, or at least I had my one A you know classification, um, and so you know it was just a, it was one of those things that that happened that either fell through the crack or whatever it was, um, and I did get drafted um, uh, during that uh, during that period of time. And there was a handful of players that um, that, that had happened to. Um, there was a guy I played with at Notre Dame, Tommy Shane, who mm-hmm. was the second-round draft choice of uh, the Cleveland Browns, and he got drafted during, during the um, um, uh, exhibition season in, in training camp, and, uh, and he went and served. Um, for for his uh, period of time, Tom Sakel was another yes. guy who was a uh, I just I just I, I want to mention it was a parallel story. Tom was from Pittsburgh, went to the University of Minnesota, um, and got drafted at the, and, and played for the the Vikings. Uh, and we were and we were and we were drafted together. We went to basic training together, <laughs> um, out of Pittsburgh. And I didn't meet him until later, but um, but it was kind of an interesting story. Anyway, it did happen. It did take place. Um, and uh, totally life changing, though. I mean, you. you I mean, let's. I mean, I mean, beyond life changing and what we're going to get into. I mean, it sets the entire course. For the rest of your life, your your experience in the army, your experience in Vietnam. I mean, you go overseas, you're in country, you and your unit get ambushed in a rice paddy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, if I have any of the wrong information here, because it's very important <laughs> to get it correct. Yeah, uh, you're shot in the hip, I believe. And then, if I read this correct, a grenade was thrown, but it bounced off one of your fellow soldiers and landed around you, and then exploded. Right. You're right. Now, wow. and so so what it take so what had it taken place is that and if, if and if I it may just to to set the scene mm-hmm. is that over in Vietnam at that period of time you worked in an area of operation and so there was an area in which we in which we uh, patrolled uh, and were responsible for it. that was a battalion made up of four companies so we worked out of two LZs called landing zones uh, and and they were on usually uh, hilltops. 
or mountaintops. Um, and that's where the artillery uh, was located. Um, and, uh, and so we would rotate into the field and then rotate up on one of the LZs. We were up on an LZ uh, Siberia at the time uh, when one of our sister companies uh, got hit. So all day we were preparing to be lifted out of the LZ onto the field to give them uh, uh, reinforcement to go in and, and pull them out. Okay. And eventually we did that. And on our way out that evening, our responsibility, and we did, so there were some bodies left behind in which we we carried. So, I mean, we, we picked them up and we moved the whole unit out of that uh, AO. On the way out, we ran into a, 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 a machine gun uh, ambush mm. and, um, and ultimately we had to leave the bodies behind, get out of there as best we possibly can. Now we're coming back two days later. I was in a reinforced platoon. Our responsibility was to go back uh, to that position, locate those bodies, uh, secure the area, have helicopters come in and uh, extract them uh, out. That was what we're, what we're doing. So it was about 8 o'clock in the morning um, on that day. We'd just taken a break, uh, trying to find our location. And uh, now we're moving out of a little wooded area onto open rice paddies. And so as we're crossing these rice paddies, the point man all of a sudden saw movement on the other side of that rice paddy. And in the, in the emotion of the time or the hesitant, uh, he, you know, he didn't stop uh, the rest of the platoon or the, the patrol in, that, in their tracks. Um, but he opened fire. Uh, and as the enemy started to run, so did he pulling everybody out into the open race. But that's when the machine guns started to level the area. Okay. Bodies were jumping left and right into the rice paddy to take some cover. I went to the left. Everybody else went to the right. Mm. I don't know where I made my mistake there. But anyway, um, so I saw the machine gun. Now, my responsibility, my responsibility was I carried an M79 grenade launcher. Yep. And I was to get firepower onto that position. And so as I crawled to the end of that rice paddy, found another rice paddy lying below us. And I saw four guys who were pinned down. I turned and rolled on my side, reached my grenade, trying to get my distance when all of a sudden, boom, I got hit the first time. And it uh, went through my left. Um, and so uh, I discharged my round, dropped behind, dropped back <laughs> to get out of the uh, get out of the fire yeah. um, range and behind some um, some cover. Um, continue to uh, put firepower on that on that position. The four guys were pinned down. I finally got up, ran across the rice paddies onto the right side with everybody else. So I am now all alone on my left flank, um, and um, and then eventually I dropped back to where we had started, where the commanding officer was. The rest of the platoon came crawling in on their hands and knees, and uh, from out of the rice paddies, and we set up another, you know, defensive position, not knowing what we ran into, uh, and they didn't know what they ran into, um, and so they probed our perimeter. Uh, and I got close enough, obviously, to throw hand grenades um, into into that perimeter. That one of those one had gone off right before 
Um, and the second one came flying in, and it hit my commanding officer, who was maybe six feet from me. hit him right in the middle of the back. But it didn't go off. Uh, it's a time detonated. Yeah. And, and it rolled off to, towards where I was. And, you know, and it's all a matter of split seconds, and you jump in to get out of the way because, you know, it's coming towards you. And it blew up, and I was it was underneath my foot at the time and, you know, blew me up in the air. Uh, and then blew up through my right foot, knee, and thigh. So now we're in another firefight um, until we have some gunships come in, and, uh, and and all of a sudden they they retreated um, for whatever reason. We surmised that maybe we had either wounded or killed their leader or commanding officer, and they just you know, pulled back enough time to get us a platoon to come in then drag us out of there, and then we got to a security area. Helicopters came in, and um, uh, and then we went to an aid station. Um, then I'll ultimately, I flew to Da Nang and spent three days there before I went to Tokyo, where I spent three weeks there in the hospital, and then I came back to the States, uh, where ultimately I spent nine months uh, in and out of the hospital there. But it, but that's what that's what took place, you know, during 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 that during that period of time. Oh, and yeah, um, totally yeah. life changing for you, Rocky. My guest today is Rocky Blyer, Pittsburgh Steeler, great running back. <laughs> Rocky, uh, you know, I understand you're 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 sitting in the hospital, and you know the doctors come and tell you, look, you're not going to play football again. You know, this is 1968. Uh, you know, you're a young man. Uh, you're not, you, I wouldn't even say you're in your prime yet as being a man. What what was that feeling like? When you're told that, I mean, people can say they, you know, that they can only imagine it, but you lived it. What was that feeling like? Well, you know, I think there's there's a couple things that 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 uh, take place here, and a couple things that you know you learn from from lessons. One is that you know my focus, my focus throughout this whole thing was that my end result was that I wanted to come back and play. So that became my goal, and I think that you know when we when we have trauma or tragedies, we need to see the end or through it as best we possibly can to have a goal of, of something that drives us uh, or not. So that became, I wanted to come back and play. I enjoyed playing. I liked what um, being a professional football was all about. And it was something that I knew. So um, that, that now, now the question was, can I do that? You know, yeah. can I do that? And so, in what I wanted to, what I wanted to find out from my physician, and that's when I asked him, I said, what do you think, doc? You know, now, there's two things: one, being damaged, and secondly, losing a limb. Fortunately, I didn't lose, you know, a, a limb. The damage was muscle, tissue, tendons, nerves, uh, but I still had a, you know, I still had legs, and I still, you know, uh, could move them. So, it, it, and and my and a thought process was this: was that okay? You know, as an athlete. Or as normal people, but as an athlete, you get bumps and bruises, and you have injuries. And what you kind of learn, one way or the other, is that you know ultimately they kind of heal, and you go back and play. You know, whether it be a sprain or you know a jammed finger, it may hurt at that time, um, but eventually the swelling goes down and it gets better, and you go back in the backyard or on the playing fields, and and you still compete. So I, that's my that's my frame of, of, of that's my mind is in that kind of frame. So when I asked my physician, you know, to give me a definitive, what do you think, Doc? You know, and his response was as you had made mention, no, I don't think you can. Given given the 
damage that has been done or the lack of flexibility or strength, especially in your foot, that you can't compete. Now, that was his opinion. But, and what we have to understand is that opinions do make an impact on people's lives. And so... Boom, he just, you know, he just sucked kind of all the hope out for that moment. He just kind of, you know, you go, well, you'll never be able to do that. And you go, crap. And then follow, a couple days later, and I've told the story, and a couple days later, I get a postcard in the mail, and it was, and it had two lines on it, and it said this, Rock, team's not doing well, we need you, Art Rooney. That had to be... A tremendous lift. I mean, to have the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers contact you while you're, you know, uh, rehabbing in a hospital to tell you, hey, you know, especially after getting the news, you're not going to play again. That's what the doctors told you. And then the owner right. saying we need you back. That had to be a big motivational lift at the moment. Oh, you know, it was. And it was, you know, it, what it did was it, it created it created hope. It created that somebody had an interest, you know, whether it, 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 it was whether or not. They they didn't need me, you know. But it was the thought. It was the idea that you received them. It was the, the the reaffirmation of your hope that you wanted to get back and play. That somebody knew and had an interest, you know, and so on. And and as as I tell people, I said that's you know that's the biggest things in our lives. What you do with that, you know, opportunity that exists. And so I came back. Being the family that the Rooney family is, and 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 and, and Mr. Rooney was at that that time, they gave me they put me on injured reserve that first year. They bought me a year. I, I came back, went to a training camp. I limped through training camp, and for whatever reason, whether I know it wasn't about potential, it would more been about guilt or 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 whatever on their part. But they bought me a year. Now, I, I used that year to rehab, to get a little bit better, to get a little bit stronger, um, and then came back the following year and made the developmental squad, as they have today, taxi squad back then. Um, but it bought me another year. I got to practice with the team. Uh, I suited up for the last three games, didn't play, sat on the bench, but it was better than the year before. So in those two years, it allowed me to get better, stronger, to heal, um, and then to be able to come back in, in 1972, um, and, I, uh, and I made the team, and I made the team on special teams, uh, and the reason was, well, I don't know what the reason was, but, but what, what, what had happened in 1972, I was the leading ground gainer during the exhibition season. And I and I say that, um, not that it makes a difference, but it gave me an opportunity to ultimately, I never carried the ball for the remaining part of that year, played mm-hmm. special teams and did everything else. I, I, in, and I come back in the following year, and I was a leading ground gainer, uh, again, during the exhibition season, and, and made the team in 73. Carried the ball once, better than the year before, so things are getting better. 74, I come back, I'm the leading ground gainer, again. You know, but, but the questions in my mind were, hey, if I'm the leading ground gainer, you know, how come I'm not carrying the ball? How come I'm not playing? Whatever, you know, that goes through your mind. And eventually, the reality was... 
the reason I was the leading ground gator, sometimes we get this confused with having talent. Sometimes we get this confused with being better, or I, I think I'm better. If I'm the leading ground gator, I must be better than any, than other running backs on this team, and I don't understand why I'm not getting a chance to carry the ball then. Well, the, the, the reality of that uh, was that the reason I was a leading ground gainer was because I played more than anybody else in the exhibition season. I carried the ball more than anybody else during the exhibition season. Okay. I better be the leading ground gainer given those two statistics because all they were doing was providing an opportunity to either prove to to the team that you can that you play. The reason I played more is that they had to make decisions on trying to cut you or and if you don't give them a reason to cut you then they play you more and um, and so if you carry the ball more so you become the leading ground gainer. Then they look at the statistics and say well yeah, we gotta maybe keep him because maybe he's got some potential here or whatever it might be and so you get a chance to play and then in 1974 because of an injury franco harris gets hurt correct uh and in the first game and uh and the backup becomes a starter i become the backup to the backup now that's a big step i hadn't been there in those years previously and so i get a chance to play a little bit more and a little bit more and eventually i get a chance to start in the backfield with Franco and Terry about midway during the rest of that season, and we win the division, we go to the Super Bowl or the playoffs, and we win the playoffs, and we go to the Super Bowl, and we win the Super Bowl for the first time, and then we play six more years together and win three more Super Bowls. So it's all about taking advantage, sometimes being at the right place, right time, taking advantage of the opportunities, and 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 you know, and, and not necessarily you know giving up or questioning you know why things are they are because that's the way they are but if you continue just to work hard and to prove and and not give up and you know and get a little bit better um with every training camp or every year you know that opportunity will open a door and uh and and, and give you a chance to uh, to perform i think i have to mention that uh mr rocky blair is also a motivational speaker today <laughs> because if you're listening to the interview you are getting that i was going to get to what you do later on the interview but i have to mention it now he is a motivational speaker and you can see why uh to come back from the injuries that he uh sustained over there in vietnam uh a blessing from art rooney and the steelers family that they put him on ir and allowed him to rehabilitate rock i have to ask you now going back to that time period late 60s early 70s no one really knew about weight training or proper nutrition or diet or anything like that it was kind of like a medieval time period when it came to uh to athletics as far as preparation and treatment goes how do you think today given today's technology today's ways of of, of working with athletes who are injured that you could have been on the field much more quickly you know that's uh, that that I mean that's an interesting question. I you know it I, I think that given today's knowledge and technology and 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 in and medicine is that uh, the injuries I received um, they they might have done been able to do something earlier sooner um, to rectify the problem that would give me an, a better time of healing maybe I don't know you know um, and in shorten that period mm. the you know rehab is rehab 
it takes time. You know, sometimes it's just a time factor, and there's nothing you can do. Things need to heal. Um, and, 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 you know, and I understand that having access, and maybe that's the, maybe that's the key, having access to equipment um, and or trainers uh, and or better advice uh, may speed up the, uh, the process. But time is still time, you know. I mean, injuries still need to, need to heal. Um, and it's the evasiveness of that injury. So if there's not a whole lot of evasiveness, you know, that'll heal quickly. Um, and I can get back to uh, working out or participating, as we've seen in sometimes knee surgeries that have taken place mm-hmm. um, today, where that wouldn't have happened, you know, um, years ago. Um, and so, you know, I got a, I got a big zipper on my uh, on my left knee yep. um, from um, from college, and um, you know, today I wouldn't have that. Now you have the- you know? Arthroscopic. You'd have right. the holes yeah. like, so like I have in my more. shoulder. I, I was right. lucky yeah. that when I got my rotator cuff done, they had uh, discovered orthoscopic surgery and saved me from being ripped open as well. Today, my guest today, my special guest is uh, Pittsburgh Steelers great Rocky Blyer. A uh, little side note, we will be leaving the show at 11.50 to cut to the Westchester University football game today live, so I want to throw that out there. Rocky, the emotional scars, the mental scars from uh, the combat experience and then having to to spend you know, two or three years rehabilitating yourself is that was that difficult to overcome you had something to throw yourself into that had to be a, a good way of going about it is it still something you have to deal with today at all yeah, you know, let me just let me put in. Let me go back if okay. I can at that time. So, the the majority of, of 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 Vietnam veterans when they came back, you know, were looked upon with disdain. They didn't have a, you know, they only they weren't accepted by the the general public, by the American people. You were identified with a conflict. Uh, you were baby killers, and so on and so on and so on. Stories that have been retold and retold about how they were treated when they came back. So most of the people repressed all their feelings, or most of those soldiers repressed them um, and, and, and tried to keep a low profile, went back to school, got married, you know, got a job, whatever it may be. Uh, and no one talked about that experience. There was no place to go to talk about your personal experience during that period of time. Um, some of the, 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 the VFWs and the American legions weren't really opened to, um, uh, with open arms, didn't welcome uh, Vietnam vets at that time. Um, and so, uh, as I said, it was repressed. Now, when I came back, you know, I had a focus, as I told you uh, earlier, about mm-hmm. coming back and play. But now it became a story. It wasn't it was whether or not I was going to make the team. Uh, it was about a story. Here's a, you know, here's a, here's a young story of a soldier coming back trying, trying to make the team, as we're talking about it now. So what it afforded me at the time was I got to talk about my feelings. I needed to have answers. I needed to think about what took place. I couldn't repress it because of the media and or of the stories. So it was come somewhat of a catharsis for me to be able to do that. 
to get a feeling of, well, why was I there? You know, what was this all about? Was it worthwhile? Uh, how did I feel about the war? What's the comparison between war and football? Is there a comparison between war and football? You know, and so on and so on and so on and so on. So that helped me having to answer those questions, unlike my fellow soldiers at the time who didn't have that opportunity uh, to be able to do it. So from a mental scarring, um, there really wasn't one. I didn't have to deal with it later on. I don't think that I ever uh, dealt with post-traumatic stress as some of my fellow soldiers did uh, at the time, as we see today as a big factor uh, in our returning soldiers because of the type of battle that it is um, uh, happening over in Afghanistan and Iraq previously. Um, and so, um, so it, it, from an adjustment point of view, you know, yeah, I don't really have you know too many too many scars. Or now I do have scars thinking about having to play against Bubba Smith <laughs> and uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, but and you held your, but Rocky, you held your own. I, I'm going to throw some statistics at you here. I was I was I looked up this morning. I was really quite interested. Now you had your first and only 1,000 yard year in 1976. You and Franco Harris together right. both had a thousand yards. You were the second to do it behind Larry Zonka and uh, Mercury Morris, only done a couple years earlier. But for your career, you had, you were not, you're just shy of 4,000 yards rushing. But here's the one I liked. Your average per carry was 4.2 yards. That's a great average per run. Right, you know, and so that's, you always have to have something to brag about. If it's not about the number of touchdowns that you scored or the yards that you gained, uh, uh, it's like, oh, okay, hey, yeah, but listen, you know, my average was 4.2. But, but I, I, carried, I carried it four times, but my average but, but was that's 4. A, But that you got the tough yardage. You, you, you were right. a great, great lead blocker. The fact that right. you also caught some clutch passes, and I got to go to you on this because I've got a great 16 by 20 autograph picture of you, uh, Sports Illustrated cover, catching the football Super Bowl game against Dallas. Uh, I forget who made the comment. It might have been Mean Joe Green. He said he'd never seen you leap that high to catch a ball ever. He never saw you leap that high for anything. Do you remember what was going through your mind at all when that ball was coming in? Oh, of course. You I know, mean, you got plenty of time, the... believe it or not, when your mind's working like that. Well, that's right. You know, it's a, it's a, it... <laughs> and so for all those listeners out there, go and dig out out of your archives that one picture. <laughs> it's a beautiful picture I have. <laughs> it's a beautiful and, picture. And so, uh, it, obviously, it was Super Bowl thirteen, or I'm going to tell your listeners it was Super Bowl thirteen. It was right before the half. Score was tied 14 to 14. We had intercepted the ball uh, and right before the half and and, 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 they, and we moved it down and now it is third down and one I think on the seven or six six or seven yard line could have been seven or eight right around there and the play that was called was a, a play action play uh, and it, it, it where I the halfback would go down the line of scrimmage um, and Bradshaw would uh, you know would hit me very quickly it was uh, you know like a, an arrow pass where I'd catch it and follow the line, pick up the first down. That was, you know, run out bounce, pick up the first down. That was that was the play. And Dee Lewis, who happens to be in that picture as well, was playing the outside linebacker. So it looked it was it was a play action, you know, or run action. So he reads his first key. He jumps across the line. 
and takes my path away from me. And and now I got to kind of, you know, I kind of got to dodge inside of him and 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 go behind him. Now he knows. Oh, it's not a run. It's a it's a pass play. So he spins to the outside. Uh, and so and I kind of start drifting backwards, you know. And Bradshaw's rolling to his right, rolling to his right, and I'm in the end zone. And all of a sudden, it was that one moment where boom, you know. He finally connected with me. Our eyes kind of met across the field, and he releases the ball, and I'm standing in the end zone. And uh, my thought, you know, in the, as the ball's going over my head, is that he's throwing it out of bounds. And if I could just leap and touch the ball, if I could just kind of knock it down, maybe, maybe I could knock it down. In, into my arms, maybe you know, maybe I can catch it. And I went up with both hands as high as I could, and thunk, I could feel it right between my hands, and it stuck there. And I don't know, it was pretty high. I was either eighteen, <laughs> nineteen, twenty feet. I couldn't remember how high I was on it, but it kind of just stuck there. And I knew I had it, you know. And uh, and I came down and in, into the end zone, and you know, and we we, we scored and, and gave us the lead at that time. Um, but pinnacle that's, moment. For that's you? what happened. A pinnacle moment in your career for you, something that uh, you would call a top uh, one or two or three highlight. Catching that touchdown pass in the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, everybody likes to catch a touchdown pass, you know, and that gave us a lead, you know, going into halftime, and everybody congratulates you. So, you know, that was a big play. I mean, not that I had – I can count all my big plays, you know, and so that was one of them, you know, that uh, that, it, it, that it had taken place. Well, i got to ask you this one. Now, you have the flip side of your great moment. You have poor Jackie Smith, tight Good end, tight end yeah. for the Cowboys, stall back back. They're inside, I believe, the 10. He is wide open. I mean, hits him right in the numbers. The poor guy drops it. He was a very good uh, receiver at the time. It just, you know, he just dropped it. What was the Steelers' sideline reaction? What was going on on your side when you see this play happen? You know, it, it, I mean, it's like everything else. It happens, you know, it happens quickly. And, and the only thing that, 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 that keeps it alive afterwards are the replays, mm-hmm. you know, and the replays and the replays and the replays in which you watch. You know, so as you're standing on the sideline, the game's going on, you're kind of watching it, but you get sideline view. You can't see what's taking place, although it's just that, boom, it is uh, a drop, incomplete, you know, and you go, oh, you know, what a relief that it happened. Now, you talk to Cowboy players and or Cowboy fans, and they all blame Jackie Smith for losing that game. You can't blame Jackie for losing the game, even if that he would have caught that ball. Oh. It would have been a tied game. Yeah, it would have been a tied game. The four point swing. That's right. Oh. And so it was. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't that fact. It, at most, tied game. And we tell him we 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 still would have won because we're better. Unbe- oh. I didn't think. Oh, I didn't think they actually still. Oh, I didn't think they held that much animosity towards. Oh, the guy. they do. You should oh. talk to those guys. Oh, oh that's yeah. a shame because you watch the NFL films and. You know, I, 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 I think it's the cowboy announcer that makes the, the comment that, oh, bless his heart, he has to be the sickest man in the country. Because as a professional player, I'm figuring, you know, you guys on the other side, the Steelers are seeing this play unfold. There has to be a mix of relief and at the same time going, God, I really feel bad for the guy because I oh, no, don't no, understand, no, no, but no, I guess no, you no, don't. Don't ever don't, <laughs> you feel, feel bad. Huh? 
of the game. He what dropped it all, poor guy. No, and and Jake, you know, and the great thing about Jackie is he had a wonderful career yeah. with the Cardinals yes. prior to being picked up, and you know, and he's got one one lousy play in in, in from Cowboy fans who will be remembered, you know, for that one dropped ball, and not for um, the years that uh, he was all pro and ultimately Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. you know, right then, but. <laughs> Now let's swing to another big time uh, uh, situation that you were on the field for a part of the immaculate reception. Franco Harris catching the ball late in the game off the helmet uh, against the Oakland Raiders. Now, did you have a vantage point where you were able to see that play unfold? not okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm on the sidelines i'm not even watching you know i mean okay so i, I tell people this okay i you know i'm playing special teams uh it's 1972 you know you we 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 we, we win the division and and it's a first playoff game and it's against the raiders and we're playing tough defense tough defense the, the score is six to nothing uh going into the last you know minute and a half of the game when stabler you know moves the ball downfield and ultimately he's Scrambles um, and scores to give them a seven to six lead. Now we get the ball back on the ensuing kickoff, and it's about our sixty-yard line. Bradshaw throws three times, three incompletions. Now it's fourth down and thirty-two seconds left on the clock, or thirty-one seconds mm-hmm. left on the clock. He drops back. Uh, there's a breakdown on offensive line. He gets pressure. He's scrambling back there, and with twenty-eight seconds left on the clock, at no timeouts, uh, he sees Frenchie Fuqua, a running back receiver, um, down the field, and he releases the ball, and so. So Frenchie's waiting for the ball, and Jack Tatum, the defensive back, who's an integral part of this play, um, it's his responsibility to break on the ball, you know, to knock it down, intercept it, make the tackle, don't allow him to advance that ball at all. And so he comes up, and he and the ball and Frenchie all collide at the same time, and the ball creams up in the air on its way down to hit the turf. As we well know, Franco Harris scoops it up, scoops 55 yards down the sidelines to score. And, and and ultimately to win the game. Okay, people are yelling, chanting, screaming. It's a turning point in the Steelers' uh, history and, 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 and ultimately for the years to come. But at that moment in time. Now, over, over the last 40 years, as, the, as every member on our team, you know, somewhere along the line, there's, uh, there's been about 352,000 people that personally said that they had been in the stadium <laughs> that watched that play take place. Um, and so, uh, uh, but I tell people, I said, no, you didn't see it. <laughs> I don't care. Even if you were there, you didn't see it. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I said, no, you didn't see it. And the reason you didn't see it is that when a catastrophe is going to happen, an accident is looming, do you... Do you, do you have your eyes wide open? No, you're hitting your head. You're going, oh, my God, I can't look. I can't wait. I can't see. It's like if you're driving a car and all of a sudden you're going to crash in a tree, do you say, oh, here's a tree? No, you close your eyes you, and you turn your body. That's what you did in the stands. That's what I did on the sidelines. So thus, okay. I did not see what took place. Now, does, uh, does Franco, uh, did he really catch it? Of course. Was it a legal catch? Did he did, 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 did trap it? He didn't trap it. Okay. No, he got it. He got his big hands underneath it, and he 
scooped it up. And that really was a defining moment, though, for the Steelers. That was, really set you, you know, guys on the course. If and if I, it, yeah, and 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 it did. I mean, it, you know, we have, you know, it's 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 going back to my what I talk about, but but we do have those defining moments in our lives. You know, things that change us, um, little little changes at a time. And this one was a kind of a belief system. You know, it was for the first time in forty years that we win the division and get in, get into the playoffs. But it was like you know, you always lose those games or nothing. The ball bounced the wrong way. In this case, it bounced the right way. And it, it it changed the course. It was kind of a belief, you know, like oh wow, maybe we are good. And we played Miami the following week, um, and you know, and it, that was a close game. That was a it was a great game, and we were in that game. Uh, but ultimately, fate um, would have it as the stars all aligned for Miami to go undefeated. Um, yeah. And so um, they 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 uh, won that game. But it wasn't as if we lost the game. They won the game, you know, and. And uh, we didn't beat ourselves, and I think that was the biggest, the biggest factor of a belief system. Well, Rocky, I we got about two minutes left, and I have been blessed this week. I've been uh, syndicated to two stations, two new stations, and I want to ask you uh, to tell us what you're doing and how we can reach you as far as wanting you to be a motivational speaker at a uh, corporate event or something. Oh, that's kind of you to say. So you can go to my website uh, at rockyblier.com. That's probably the easiest way of being able to um, get our get our numbers um, and uh, find out what uh, what's happening there. Everybody's got a website, so it's just rocky uh, rockyblier.com, and, uh, and and it's an easy way. So I do that. I got a couple of businesses here in Pittsburgh that keeps me uh, very active. Um, I got a construction business and I got a furniture business, and we got a couple other things going. So I got my fingers in a couple pies, and I and I got my my family that uh, I got two young girls that are 13 and 14, and uh, they keep me running every day. And so we have a big parade today. My one daughter's in it. Even though it's raining here in the Pittsburgh area, I'll be there watching her. Rocky Blair, thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. I love hearing the stories. And uh, you enjoy the rest of your weekend, my friend. Hey, thank you, John. Thanks you as lot. well. Congratulations. Okay. Thank you. Please stay tuned now for the upcoming Westchester University football game. And I'll be back next week.